guys, you have tuned into the first ever Sanj Talks podcast. And today I've got a very good friend with me, a wonderful chap, amazing musician, probably one of the most forward thinking, coolest guys I know. I'd love to introduce Nathan Flukebox Lee. Wow, I thought you were introducing Elon Musk. <laughs> How you doing, brother? How you doing, man? You all right? I'm all good, man. I'm all good. So look, right, this is the thing. This is the first time I've done this as a kind of like Sanj Serati kind of thing. You know me, I know you. What I want to do is basically, I just want to talk about you because you're, you know, you're one of the coolest people that I know. You're a, a really forward thinking, really exciting musician. I think before we kind of focus on specific things, I, I'd love it if you just kind of go into like, what you're about, where you've come from, you know, talk to us about the art form of flute boxing, just kind of, if I, if I was nobody and I didn't know anything about you, what you would say to me about what you do, just for the audience. Okay. Well, my name's Nathan Flutebox Lee or Nathan Francis Lee. <laughs> and um, I, I, I guess I, I play the flute, but, but what I do is I, I play the flute percussively because I, I guess I always, I always wanted to play the drums and I always when I and, and I've always loved percussion and that that kind of thing. I've always loved beats. So when I when I I got given a flute later in, in life when I was about 20, and I just wanted to it just seemed like the natural way to play it was to play it um in a percussive way and to play it in a way uh, that was um it, yeah, it just seemed like the right way to do it. I didn't I I think what was what 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 was good with me was I didn't have any preconceived way of playing the flute because no one taught, I taught myself. So I just did what felt good to me. And that, that was just kind of making it percussive. And uh, just to give a bit of background with regards to like the whole uh, percussive flute style that you have, because there's a couple of people who would be listening to this who don't, you know, don't know anything about you, but you're, yeah. you, ba you basically play the flute while beatboxing at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, it's uh, a beat. You could call it beatboxing, or just abbreviating the the bars with um, with beats using your mouth to make. So it's what it is. Is it's new repertoire for the instrument. It's a new way. Like anyone can do it now. Now it's been added to the repertoire for the flute. Anyone can pick the flute up, and you don't have to just do your solo. You can drop into that. You can do that as part of your solo. You can make it more percussive. There's a there's um. You know, it's just another level of uh, aggressiveness that you can go into or, or kind of percussiveness, whatever you want to call it. But now the repertoire's there. Amazing. Amazing. How, how long have you been doing that professionally? Professionally? Well, I started playing at 20 and then I got my first sort of big job, I'd say, with Prodigy when I was like maybe 20, 26, 26, 27. Wow. So, Wow, you look really beautiful, man. Lighting's really good. Those of you that listen to this, we're... Um, you don't look beautiful in person, man, but you look great there, man. <laughs> you look great, too. That's all the exercise, yeah? Wicked. So you touched base on working with the Prodigy. So, so was that the first time you worked with a kind of high-profile musician or group of musicians? Um, oh, let me think. I'd done a few things with a friend of yours, actually. And I think we're all being in the same scene. And I guess, um, you know, being where we're fr from and all the rest of it, not touching on it too much, but the kind of the whole, um, 
I spread it, I, uh, the Asian underground, stuff like that. Well, I was, I did some stuff in that scene. Um, but no, yeah, that was the first, that was, Prodigy was the first big, um, I think it was the first notable group I was with, yeah. Wow. And and how did that feel? Like you, you know, being in your sort of late 20s, am I right? Like how did that feel yeah, kind for of, you as a musician? Yeah, mid to late 20s. Yeah, I felt, it just felt amazing. And because I grew up listening to them and I, when I was younger, it was like when it was Firestart, not Firestart, but um, Out of Space and uh, Horns of Jericho and that that whole album, the, uh, that was just it was incredible for me, man. And they couldn't have been nicer. They couldn't have been nicer blokes. They couldn't have been more. I think something I've always found is when you, when you're with people who really know what they're doing and really sort of don't have anything to prove, they've just done it and they're smashing it. They're very easy to work with. It always seems to be that way. And people who are kind of still on the up or have done something and not everyone knows about it, it kind of is, um, it's not the same, but when you're with people who've really done loads of stuff, they, they're very easy to work with and they just tried to sort of ingratiate me to this to this world which I wasn't used to and try and uh, make me not intimidated and, and at ease and you know Keith and Liam and, and Maxim were, couldn't be nicer and also wow. um, I mean it was a it was my friend actually Tony Phillips Amin Phillips uh, who introduced me to them um, because I always he always says to me oh, you leave my name out of it whenever you say it you, you don't you don't you don't say how it happened and I said so it's true. I need to name check him, man, because he was like, "Look, you need to come. These are my pals." And he was their friend, and he said, "Look, come and come and show them, show show them what you do." And I, I went and showed them what I did, and they and they said, "Yeah, come and do stuff with the band." I wasn't expecting it. I was like, <laughs> "Give me away, man." Cool. And um, I, I, um, I mean, you touched you touched on um, someone that I've met before. Um, you know, Keith from from Podigy, who. Um, I, I met him actually backstage at a Deftones concert. Him and Gary right. Newman, and we we, we had a few it. drinks, and and he was um, <laughs> he, he was one of the most generous, um, exciting energies I've ever met um, in my life. And um, I mean, I've always been a big Prodigy fan. Um, yeah. What 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 was it like for you to work well to meet Keith? And what was he like? I'm sure there's people listening who want to know. He was just he was just um, an amazing character. Uh, just in terms of being being probably one of the ma- most amazing front men uh, of of all time, him and you know maybe HR from um, from Bad Brains. I think he's up there with HR from Bad Brains. Wow. And, uh, I, and also, but because he's that, he was just very humble and very just. Um, there was he said to me, he said, "You've got to try the couscous covered chicken. It's amazing." <laughs> like, <laughs> they just had this massive rider. And it was just amazing, all this fruit and all the rest of it. You know, I was I was kind of, I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, champagne a lot. And I was like, wow, I didn't want to, I was intimidated. And he was like, come in, man, you'll love the, you'll love the chicken. And the chicken was great. Yeah, he was, yeah great guy. God bless him. God bless yeah, him. God bless him. Rest in peace, man. Rest and then, um, so, so talk about some of the other artists that you've worked with over the years. I know we're kind of jumping here, but um, yeah. I mean, you've done, you've worked with some, some of probably the most important current era pop musicians and hip hop musicians ever. Talk about some of the ones you've worked with and, and who, who, you know, who you really took a lot from. Well, for me, I was always, when I was younger, I used to listen to, um, to Gangstar, which was a uh, DJ premier and, and guru. And, uh, 
man, it was just he. I got a call, and um, it was basically, look, would you would you come and would you would you come? Guru said, is, says come and uh, jam with him in his hotel room. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And we went to his hotel room and we uh, we jammed, and uh, it was amazing. It was amazing to jam with someone that I'd always. Um, always admired I'd always admired Premier the way he used jazz uh, in, in hip hop and the way that um, the way that Guru the tone of his voice was just amazing the tone of Guru's voice was, was amazing and uh, the, so just yeah I was a big fan so doing, doing that was amazing also working I was asked there was the uh, meltdown at the RFH and the Roots were playing you know the Roots with Questlove and Blackthorpe and um, they said, "Why don't you Why don't you come on in the uh, in in the middle of our show and do a solo?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." And I, I again, I, I just a band that I just love. And then for them to ask me to like what I do and then ask me to come and do stuff, I was just I was blown away. <laughs> and, um, who else? So many. I mean, to be honest, nearly everyone or everyone I've worked with. I've enjoyed it and all in different ways, but just for who they are, even the people, to be honest, the people that aren't names that people don't know about that are my friends that make, uh, that make music that play, you know, like play, you know, the violin or play whoever I'm playing with, whoever would play the flute or, or rap or whatever, all of them yourself. I've just always, I've enjoyed, just enjoyed the process and I've enjoyed, enjoyed it all. I've enjoyed it's amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah, I don't really. I think what I've found is, is, is um, and I think you'd find the same thing because you, you know, you've you've been around a while now as well. And I think what it is is, you know, when you kind of look back on it and you you think this is the journey, and you actually think, well, I've enjoyed everything. I've enjoyed all the people that people know about, but I've enjoyed all my friends and the the whole community of musicians. Everyone. I don't differentiate between um, a person who's famous and a person who's not. I just it's either good music or it's bad music. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just with regards, I mean, you touched on some of the artists that you've worked with that that some people may not know. Like, feel free to talk about them now. Like, is this is this a, a, some people that you're working with at the moment that are inspiring you, that are really kind of making you enjoy the experience? Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets. No, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese. Or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece chicken McNuggets, juicy quarter pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. There's something, and I'm not plugging it. It's just because you've asked, but it's the... There's um, Manasseh uh, versus Praise, or Manasseh meets Praise is a it, it's a it's going to come out soon, and it's it's this producer who's a reggae producer, Manasseh, and uh, with a, with a friend of mine who's 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 really he taught me he taught me so much, and he's a he's a viola player called Mike Pagalatos. He's also one of London's um, amazing graffiti writers with VFL. Used to write with VFL and uh, Mean, who's a VFL. He's also SBS. And PFB, um, so yeah, that, that, those got, there's I mean, so many because it also the lines are blurred, aren't they? they? There's kind of the lines between because it's all. I think now we're on lockdown. I think people are going to realise that how important it is how 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 important art is, and that 
you know, people who think that artists are useless, well, try staying at home on lockdown with no books, no, no TV, no music. You know, that's, uh, and I'm, I'm sort of coming off the, I'm sort of uh, coming off subject here, but just, uh, it's also the graffiti writers, everyone who's kind of, am I mumbling here? But, no, yeah. man. I mean, it's actually on my list of questions, actually, is to talk about the current coronavirus situation at, at the yeah. moment, specifically you being an artist. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just let it flow. This is really important. I mean, this is why we're doing these talks, is to kind of engage with people during this 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 tough time. Well, I just find that, that I just think that a lot of people are losing their loved ones and it's just hurting. And my sister, uh, Hannah, is currently working in a hospital. She's a nurse. And uh, so she's being very brave and she's going in and she's she's dealing with people that have coronavirus right now. And she's got three kids. And so I think the whole family are being very brave. And, uh, you know, they're going in and they're and, uh, you know, I've you know, my sister, I just I've always respected my sister. And this has just made me respect her even more. She's not some musician chief like me, you know. With regards to the current lockdown, the coronavirus lockdown, the COVID-19 sanctions that we're kind of going through, you as an artist, are you struggling with regards to keeping your sanity? I know that's quite a direct question. No, no. I mean, to be honest, I've always struggled with keeping my sanity. Uh, (laughs) This is just just a, a, a new thing. This is... To be honest, in a way, I'm, I'm trying to take the good things out of it. I'm, I'm exercising a lot and I'm spending a lot of time with my family, my wife and my, and my baby. And uh, so that's been really nice because usually I'm on tour um, and I'm just working all the time. So I don't, I don't get enough time with my family. So it's nice to, it's nice to be at home just cooking up rice and chana and dal and, you know, chicken curry and, you know, and just uh, and, and exercising a lot. and trying to get through this amazing amazing talk to us about um the exercising that you're doing at the moment yeah well um <clears throat> i was uh i was boxing up at the uh epsom and yule um abc abc and um i they they taught me a few things there and then i've just been carrying them on in the house um, and also I'm doing five, five sets of 50 press-ups and then I'm doing one set of a hundred press-ups. So wow. I'm doing 350 press-ups a day, five rounds of shadow and trying to just remember what I got taught when I was, uh, when I was up at Epsom and Yule and boxing. And, um, yeah. Amazing. And, and just with regards to, to boxing, are you, have you been following boxing over the last sort of 12 months with regards to the heavyweight division and how it started to become explosive again and exciting again. Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was very telling of kind of how people are, the kind of Ruiz Joshua fight, because I, I thought that was interesting because everyone thought Ruiz, oh, he's going to walk over him and all the rest of it. And it was so funny hearing how everyone had opinions, even, even people who didn't really know about boxing and anyone that knew about Andy Ruiz knew that he was actually, he was actually, uh, you know, he had a beard. He was quite tasty. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he'd fought, he'd fought good people and that he had a good record. He was a good amateur. Um, 
and um, I, I wasn't as surprised as everyone else when when he got the win. Um, it was a surprise because Joshua is is good, but I wasn't. I I didn't think that because he's not aesthetically an underwear model that, <laughs> that would have any bearing on it. My my favourite boxers are the ones that surprise you. Prime example, Mike Tyson. You know, when when he was in his prime, just watching him, you know, just chop chop someone someone up was an exciting thing. Um, not to say that Ruiz and Tyson are the, are the same type of boxer. They're not. They're completely different, which makes it even more exciting. But you're, like not, from- you're not expecting Tyson to chop them up because I kind of felt like they were being invited to the chopping board when they went in the ring with him. I think I think it was quite it was quite clear um, as as his prominence as a as an athlete and a boxer was taken over you know was becoming a cultural phenomenon that um, that he was he was just unstoppable um, yeah. but I think I think that you know that there are some people that got in the ring with him who didn't know what to expect and you could see it in their eyes and then you know by within a few rounds they were like what the hell am i doing um i've I've finished um and this was around february time i finished reading uh, tyson fury's book before his rematch with uh, deontay wilder and he talks about how when he felt deontay's fists hit his he could tell that there was a punch there that he had to be very careful of um which is really interesting you know when a boxer who you know, any athlete, when they're running the 100 metres or when they're getting in a ring to fight someone or whatever, your mindset has to be completely driven so that you're, you're, you will be, you, you have to think that you're not going to lose for you to kind of be the best, you know. And yeah. even, even Tyson, who, who has this fantastic mindset that showed everyone that he's obviously the best heavyweight in the world, even him in his book, in writing, he's saying, actually, this guy's fists feel like, in atomic bombs do you know what i mean like, really that, 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 that's a really cool thing yeah, what, yeah. Are your th- what are your thoughts about tyson fury um i uh i never liked him but uh he's obviously a great boxer obviously a great boxer i mean i i go back to tyson though i think what's nice is that I think that it all comes out in the wash and people always thought, oh, Tyson, a brawler, a maniac, a barbarian. What, what's actually coming out in the wash is, if you look at it now, he's actually a very become a very well-adjusted, very sweet, older man. Um, he's, yeah. also, you know, he's, also, uh, he's also was a great student of boxing and very technical. His technique was amazing. Yeah. You know? And uh, I think people, they, they sort of say, oh, this animal, this, this, that and the other which, of course, he had the aggression and stuff like that, but he was a very good pugilist. Mm. Uh, you know, knew his craft, studied his craft. Um, and I, I think that and that's all coming out in the wash. With Tyson Fury, I, uh, yeah, I never, I never, I, I didn't really, I didn't really check for him. I mean, my favourite boxer of all time is Prince Nassim Ahmed, hands down. <laughs> yeah. Hands down, man, hands down. Prince Nassim Ahmed, and I don't think he gets the credit that he's due because... The things he did in the ring, I, I, I've never seen other boxers do what he's done in the ring. Who's done in, in the ring the kind of knockouts and the kind, the way he did it that that that, that Nassim did it? Yeah, and Nassim was, I mean, he was incredible. He he was basically the '90s answer to Muhammad Ali. I thought 
you know, yeah. because he was a sh- he was a show person. He was, yeah. you know, he was frenetic. He was exciting. He had energy. He had emotion. Um, it, it would make you smile as well. You know, to watch him is brilliant. Yeah, no, I I I, I love Prince Nassim Ahmed, and I think he the the angles he knocked people out, the power he generated. I mean, what I'd love is, I mean, God, if he was if he was still sort of you know at fighting age now and in shape, I'd love to see him versus someone like Lomachenko. Um, or Triple G, that would be yeah. Triple G's. A, um, I know Nassim went up a few weights, but I I don't know if he's if he was um, if he would have been big enough to fight Triple G. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'd love to have seen him fight someone like Lomachenko. <laughs> so we, we're talking about these sports stars who uh, are very scientific with regards to the methodology of their art form. Talk to me about the science of flute boxing from your perspective. Well, I think with it, I think a lot of a lot of music just full stop is, you know, you can you can you can be a virtuoso, but there's a lot of it which is also intention, attitude, and I think if you've got attitude and you've got intention and you know what you want to do, you when you play it, you know how you want to sound and. You're happy. You're comfortable with your sound, and you play it your way. I think that's important. Um, I because I I didn't really because I was listening to Gangstar and I was listening to a lot of the even the classical I listened to the sort of Shostakovich small group work the Stravinsky. There wasn't a lot of flute in the classical I was listening to. the The flute that I listened to also wasn't the percussive kind. It was more like uh, I was listening to Hari Prasad Charasya. And um, a lot of uh, classical Indian uh, flautists, and I was listening to uh, Bismillah Khan and people like that. So I, I didn't, um, I, I with the flute for me, I didn't have anyone I was trying to be on the flute, apart from maybe uh, Roland Kirk. And I also loved the way it was in, it was put in the uh, in, in Gil Scott Heron's music. So that those were things that influenced me and. But, but generally, I, I just came to it, and the, I suppose the science of it was I, I wasn't trying to I, – I had no preconceived ideas. I just wanted to make it a uh, – I just wanted to make a, make a beat. Wow. And, so, and I get it and show you what I mean. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. Right. So just really simply, you can pick it up. And just a very simple just – it's just a simple beat, so you, you can just, you know – You know, or so you can. You've got more attack. It's just, it's just more attack. It's the way you want to play it. If you want to play it, and you want to play it, you know. But I wanted to play it with more attack. And that's that's it in a nutshell, really. That's so when I got it, I didn't want to. Um, I don't know. I wanted to express myself, and that's the way it came out. So wow, maybe that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And then just just from your point of view, when did you find that that balance where you you felt comfortable playing the flute with that type of attack attacking style with the beat straight away? Straight wow. away. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I didn't know how to play it, so it was just easy to. It was it was just easy to do. It was easy to do it. I mean, I didn't have the um, I didn't have the chops, but I would just mess around doing that. Um, I, I could do that before I could really play it properly. I could beatbox for it before I could play the thing properly. And That's then I'm trying time trying to learn. I mean, I'm playing a bit of Bach now, and I'm trying to. I love playing Bach. And, um, we should start a podcast. Yeah, we've all said it. But when it comes time to make it a reality, we get stuck. Well, here's some good news. With Spreaker, all you need to start a podcast is a microphone and a good idea. Spreaker handles the recording, management, distribution, and monetization of your podcast, allowing you to focus on making a podcast. Whether you're discussing the latest moves in the tech sector or just your dating life, Spreaker gives you tools to make your podcast a hit and professional insights about who is listening and where. And as your podcast dream grows, Spreaker only becomes more useful, letting you upload and schedule multiple episodes at the same time, push to multiple platforms and customize RSS feeds. But what about making money? With Spreaker, monetization is as easy as checking a few boxes. So next time someone says to you, we should start a podcast, Say yes and let Spreaker handle the rest. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. Vivaldi and um, yeah, stuff like that. Um, with regards to Bach, um, so I, as you know, I do a lot of work with the Royal Academy of Music. Um, one oh, yeah? of the artists, yeah, one of the artists I work with is a guy called Zhou Tian Shi, an amazing musician um, and composer. Um, and he 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 knows that I love rock music. And he we we started talking about Bach and how Bach was super influential to bands like Metallica, uh, Megadeth. Um, and it it's funny because I, I I never really truly appreciated Bach until about 10 years ago. And I started listening to him and I was like, holy shit, this is like incredible like super super um atmospheric lots of build-ups yeah very um at times very aggressive um yeah. but it's it's that that kind of um rock and also hip-hop uh dynamic where you, you you're some you're down here and then boom you're up here and it's like how you get from down there to up there is, is, that, that's it yeah that's it that's it in a nutshell his musical devices and it all makes perfect sense it's very very clever very clever and very uh it almost it just feels so natural to play once you sort of get it and you get it under your fingers it's uh it's very natural awesome awesome so so tell us about um other things that you're working on because you're you're a you're a philanthropist you know you you, you perform you're doing um you're training I, I used to do a lot of martial arts when i was younger and never right. really saw the value in boxing, to be honest, until I got into my 20s. Um, and when I said I didn't see the value in it, I just didn't really respect the art form. Like I didn't, I, you know, I was, I was just a young gun. But then as I started to read about boxers and learn about boxing as, as a sport, I just couldn't believe just how pure the art form is and the rules and everything behind it and the, and the, the, the stories behind it as well, you know, how it's kind of parts of it are, are kind of affiliated with like gangster culture and there's a lot of like stuff that happens behind closed doors that you don't hear about and i just found, i mean now i'm just absolutely fascinated by it and you know we touched on tyson fury you know he's really he's kind of re reinvigorated my 
my love for boxing because I was I was like you I was um, a big Nazim fan um also growing up I loved Mike Tyson I still feel he in my eyes is still the greatest boxer of all time um well, like um, Amir Khan yeah Amir Khan's amazing like still is I mean I don't know he for me he didn't have the magic that Nazim had like I feel like a lot of people kind of put them on the same stage but I just no, felt they're not, they're not the same are they they're not the same yeah you're right yeah I mean mm-hmm. I, I Canelo and then got knocked out. I don't know if you saw the the Canelo Alvarez Khan fight, but uh, he Khan was boxing out of his skin and doing really well, and then he just he got iced man by by Canelo. Right. Yeah, iced him. That's the kind of beauty of boxing: how it can just switch, and it's just another person's victory. You know, yeah. from going from somewhere. Yeah, it's true. Very true. And I mean, it's also, I think the thing that people don't get is it is a violent sport. I think what they don't see is the kind of honour and the kind of the the people that do it can't get do enough for you. I think you meet the nicest people in the sport as well. There Mm. is, you know, aggressive side and the gangster side and all that stuff. But the the bit that I know about is the kind of the sportsmanship, you know, the people, people try and help each other and, you know, someone that might punch you in the face in the ring will also ask you if you want to lift home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of it. I think that's the, that, that's the beauty of it. Um, Absolutely. So let's, um, let's kind of sidestep a little bit. Um, you mentioned that you, you cook curry at home. Um, yeah. Yeah, talk, yeah. Talk to me about like your ethnicity and how, how, how you're proud of that and how that's kind of part of your identity and how that how that kind of transcribes into some of the some of the things that you do. Um, well, I, I guess um, mum's side is uh, Sri Lankan, and also uh, Kerala uh, mix. And um, my my grandmother, I think, was from Sri Lanka, and, and then also family from Kerala. Uh, so sort of Tamilian, Tamil, really Southern Indian. Um, and then my father, uh, Scottish American. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but I've always, I've always loved curry. I've always loved curry of all sorts as well. You know, not just um, you know, you name it. I love curry, curry mutton, curry chicken, <laughs> curry, <laughs> curry <laughs> fingers. You know, curry for breakfast. <laughs> so, and you, you cook at home? Oh yeah. I, I mean, I like to cook. I mean, um, curry's like a holy grail. Just when you think you're decent at curry, you'll always find someone that's uh, that that makes better curry than you. You know, there's always or there's one that there's always a curry that will capture your attention. But yeah, I like to curry. I like currying chicken. Um, I like making dal. Um, I like currying. I um, there's a there's a kind of a, a, a I like currying fish. Yeah. I like to make curry. <laughs> but, um, um, talk, yeah. talk to us about the process of you making curry. The reason why I ask, so, you know, I, I'm, you know, I know that you I, do, I, right? I, yeah, I do a lot of cooking at home. Um, and when it comes to curry, for me, it's, it's again, an, an, an art form. You, you have to kind of make the, when it comes to making the sauce, particularly, yeah. you have to start on the spices you know, you have to kind of pan fry a few things. You've got to roast a few things. You've got to crush a few things. You've got to kind of put them together. 
then then what I do is I you know I put in some some onions into a you know big pan um, and let them kind of fry first. Let them sweat in their own liquids and then let them oh, fry their own liquids for a bit. Tell me about it. Let me know. <laughs> oh man. And yes, then you throw in the spices and then oh. you just let that do its thing. I what wife, you thrown in there? Sorry? What spices are you throwing in? Ooh, so I use quite a few. So a um, couple of, uh, lots of pepper, lots of um, cumin, lots mm. of coriander, lots of salt. And when I say salt, like proper salt, not that refined crap that people use, yeah. just like, real you know, salt. like hemp. Like Himalayan pink salt makes sure make sure it's crushed up. Um, some garlic, some chili, um, and then you start to mess around with a few other things like a little bit of coriander powder. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe a swig of garam masala, like just depending on how I'm feeling. Um, and then just as that starts to heat up a bit, then you start throwing in your your, your vegetables, whether it's you know little cubes of potato. Um, and then as that, sorry. Are you vegetarian, Sanj? You're not, are you? No, no. I um I do eat um a lot of meat. I actually like meat. Um, but but I am very conscious about how much meat we eat in that in the yeah, house. I've been I've been seeing your stuff. I've been seeing the food that you've been putting up, and I have to say, some of it looks really nice, man. Thanks, man. If uh, anytime oh, yeah. you come my, over, where's my dinner invite, baby? <laughs> well, we'll do that once we um once we get through this corona thing but just le- for me like learning how to cook is such an important aspect of of human behavior because just just from being in this scenario this cor- coronavirus scenario because i know how to cook i know i can feed my family you know so what i mean true. so true and it's funny with this corona thing right how people's survival compasses aren't quite like sort of set properly like yeah. i saw this woman in the shop god bless her right but she had something like 200 pepperamis, right? And 50 pounds of Coke. And I felt like going, oh, you know, um, but I, did, I didn't say anything. <laughs> man, what are you going to do with that, man? You know, <laughs> clean your car engine with that Coke and what are you going to do with those pepperamis? I mean, God, you might survive Corona, but I don't have to, oh, your bowels might not be too good after that, man. Exactly, exactly. And it's just, I, I think anyone, once you once you know how to cook, you can make simple dishes very quickly that just taste amazing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't, you don't need Coca-Cola. You don't need any, anything prepackaged. Do you know what I mean? You just, yeah. you can make some, just with five ingredients, you can make something that will just make your mouth salivate thinking about it after you've eaten it. So true. So true. Um, I mean, um, my, my wife, she's, uh, she's from Kilburn, but her parents are Moroccan. From wow. and uh, she makes uh, couscous with seven vegetables, and it is off the chain. And it's such a simple dish; doesn't have many ingredients. But if you do it right, if you steam the couscous right, if you if you do it the right way, and you take the time, just amazing, man. When you're eating just couscous and you know carrots and potatoes and cabbage, and it's just unreal. We should start a podcast. Yeah, we've all said it. But when it comes time to make it a reality, we get stuck. Well, here's some good news. With Spreaker, all you need to start a podcast is a microphone and a good idea. Spreaker handles the recording, management, distribution, and monetization of your podcast, allowing you to focus on making a podcast. 
Whether you're discussing the latest moves in the tech sector or just your dating life, Spreaker gives you tools to make your podcast a hit and professional insights about who is listening and where. And as your podcast dream grows, Spreaker only becomes more useful, letting you upload and schedule multiple episodes at the same time, push to multiple platforms, and customize RSS feeds. But what about making money? With Spreaker, monetization is as easy as checking a few boxes. So next time someone says to you, we should start a podcast, say yes and let Spreaker handle the rest. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. <laughs> so we've spoken about loads of things, um, particularly about music, boxing. We touched mm-hmm. on you on, you know, your... Uh, and where you're from, where your family from. Talk to me about being a father. You just recently become a father in the last few years. Um, it's the best thing I've ever done, man. And it's the it's but it's the it's one of those things you you I didn't realise how good it was. And it, I'm I'm just going to come out with a load of cliches, but they're they're cliches because they're true. You don't realise how nice it is until it happens, and also. Um, it's uh, it, it's just the, the love you feel, the love I feel for my son, and the love that you get back uh, is just incredible. Um, but it also is one of those things where I think it, you know, I'm I'm just talking from personal from a personal point of view. It's one of those ones where you do think, well, right, I've got to, got to keep get making some dough here. You know, I've got a family, and I've and um, so it does make you feel like that too, or it makes me feel like that. Um, but the, the 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 pros outweigh the cons massively. It's the it's the best thing I've uh, I've ever done. Wow! Yeah. And um, how how old is your son? He's two. Wow! Two yeah, two and a bit. And his name is Zakaria John Samuel Abdel Salam Lee. Wow! Are you going to teach him how to play the flute? Um, well, if he comes in and says, "Dad, I want to play free jazz," I'm going to say, "Listen, son." <laughs> I'm going to say, why don't you become an engineer or, you know, or a doctor or a mechanic or get a job where, you know, normal people inhabit it and it's, they give you normal paychecks on time and stuff like that. No, I, I mean, no, I'm being, I'm joking. I'm being flippant, but um, yeah, I'd love him to play an instrument and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd love him to play. I think because I think it's the, the there's with the Suzuki method, you, I think you get children into instruments, not because, you, it's a, a thing they would do for a profession, but because it's a thing that enhances their humanity, a thing yeah. that, another way of communicating, a thing that gives them um, uh, more brain development, uh, and that's why you do it. You don't if you're doing it for some sort of end game, whoever you are, you've got the wrong idea. That's amazing. And then, j- just from your perspective as a musician. Um, it sounds like there must have been some really challenging times for well, you. Well, I, I, I just, I never wanted to, all I wanted to do when I started flute was to get good at the flute, to play classical music. And I was on a building site and I just wanted to, uh, I left school at 15 and um, I just, uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do something, that I could do something well and I found the flute by accident and I wanted to play play it well that's that was literally it that was I never wanted to 
particularly even show people. I just the, the the sort of joy that I got from playing it and the the calmness I felt. And we we talked earlier about sanity. To be honest, some some of the times when I feel the most sane is when I'm playing Bach or when I'm playing um, trying to play Rog or, or something like that. That's that's it's always helped me and it's always been a comfort for me. And I think a lot of people uh, kind of miss that. And with the industry and all the rest of it, there's kind of a lot of people kind of gloss over and kind of miss out the, the important bit, which is it's a meditation. It's a, it's a, it's something personal. It's something that it, it's also it's like it, that's the thing, really. The worst thing that can happen to you is to become a professional musician in some ways, because it's a personal thing. It's like having sex for money, which I haven't done. Yet. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, you having sex, making music are, are things that are, are, are personal and that aren't, aren't things that you should do for money. But the, it just so happens that that's things that you, that the people that, that, that you get paid. I, I never thought that I think getting paid to, to make music is a very strange thing. And it's, it's the worst thing that can happen to, to a musician sometimes no i totally feel you i mean just from my experience being you know being a singer in a band it's a very similar thing i mean when i was younger aphids yeah um, i mean all the bands i was into but obviously we we were in that similar era sort of early early noughties late 90s um for me with aphids you know initially it was all about you know just getting high and yeah, you know, yeah. being being this star, but once all of that disappeared, it, I just really started to hone in on being a musician and how just being on stage, no matter how many people were there, was just a therapeutic, you know, thing. It was very spiritual, very exciting, very beautiful. You know, I could just just let everything go. And and now being a stand up comic, um, got so much guts doing that, man. <laughs> Doing that, man. Well, well, it's it's. Um, I think for me, because I've come into, I, you know, I didn't start doing stand up to my late thirties. I think going in then, after I'd been through so much in the music space, prepared me for prepared me from a from a gutsy point of view. It meant that I could go in and not be afraid, just to be completely fearless. And I still, I still feel great. I mean, I did. Um, you've I did always, a, you've always been good like that, though. Yeah, we're good like that. Yeah, I mean, I did I did some shows recently using Zoom, like online, and even those shows, you know, one of the gigs there was about like fifty people there who tuned in to watch this this digital show. After the gig, I mean, I only did a ten minute set, but afterwards, I, I had that that rush that you get where the adrenaline's pumping and like the there's like a there's these pores in the back of my neck that open up and I can feel the that sort of cold breeze going into those pores and make, ah, oh, it's just, it's, it's like, it's, it's a euphoric feeling. <laughs> that, that feeling, that, oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. And um, that, uh, that to me is more important than the fame, than the money, than the starhood, all any of that, you know. We should start a podcast. Yeah, we've all said it. But when it comes time to make it a reality, we get stuck. Well, here's some good news. With Spreaker, all you need to start a podcast is a microphone and a good idea. Spreaker handles the recording, management, distribution, and monetization of your podcast, allowing you to focus on making a podcast. 
Whether you're discussing the latest moves in the tech sector or just your dating life, Spreaker gives you tools to make your podcast a hit and professional insights about who is listening and where. And as your podcast dream grows, Spreaker only becomes more useful, letting you upload and schedule multiple episodes at the same time, push to multiple platforms, and customize RSS feeds. But what about making money? With Spreaker, monetization is as easy as checking a few boxes. So next time someone says to you, we should start a podcast, say yes and let Spreaker handle the rest. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. And it shows. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So two more points before we finish off. Oh, mate, I've got all the time you need, mate. <laughs> well, the first thing... First thing I wanted to ask about. So what's what's going on at the moment? What are you working on um, creatively that you can talk about and that you want to kind of focus on for a bit? Um, well, I've got a few projects. One project is I'm in a band called Asian Dub Foundation. We've just released an album. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also working with a guy called Prime Cuts from the Scratch Perverts. And we're doing some stuff, which is, is, is really cool, man. And I'm also working with my friend Ronell, who's in a, a band called Rudimental. Yeah. And we'll have a, a, a jazz band with a, a guy called uh, Kaz Rodriguez uh, on the drums and Michael Antonio on the, um, on the guitar and, and, and Ronell on the bass. And that's, that's heavy. That's heavy as well. And uh, yeah, just. Um, got a few projects and then i'm also i'm I'm doing this thing with manasseh and praise where that's coming out soon and i'll i'll I'll, I'll ping it over to you sanj man oh please do i'd love to hear some yeah yeah that's coming out soon man and that's really good that's fire and um yes i've got a few projects and then always just trying to trying to make what i do on the flute the percussive thing and just be a better flute player really and amazing uh, that's it awesome and then um just quickly, actually, before we close, it'd be good if we could just touch on it ADF for a bit. How long have you been working with Asian Dove Foundation for? A long time now. A long time. Uh, I'm not sure. About uh, 10 years, right? Or just over 10 years? Just under. Just under. But yeah, coming up, it's got to be coming up for 10 years, I think. Um, but I think it's under 10 years. I'm not sure. I, I was on a few albums, then also I was collaborating before when we. Um, we did a we did a we did projects together and I featured on tracks before I was actually in the band. I was sort of featuring on stuff. And I tell you what, those guys, Dr. Das and Chandra Sonic, they just improved my reading list and gave me books to read. And I'm um, I'm an avid reader. But um they 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 gave me a lot of a lot of books to read. That I mean, um Steve was the one that pointed me in the direction of Schopenhauer, uh, uh Karl Marx. Anukin, Kropotkin, um, Black People of the British Empire, um, stuff like that. Awesome. Musion, yeah. I remember yes. um, you were working for Musion. I thought that was brilliant, man. Yeah, and, it was good times. Good times. Yeah. I mean, that was crazy, right? Because you were doing um you're doing holograms. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts, man. It was uh, well, coming a hologram of you, dude. Yeah, that was was like being that was like being on star trek or something man yeah well we did a sh- you launched remember we worked together on your that record we, that we launched that record at music we had it we had it we had an do you remember the sound system we brought in for that yeah it was great 
<laughs> that was insane. Um, yeah, good times, man. Good times, good times. Yeah. Um, so, brother, before we sign off, um, just a quick one. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to, to get in contact with you? Uh, don't get in contact with me. I don't want to be contacted. <laughs> okay. But you're not on any social media or anything like uh, that? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. Um, yeah. What's your Instagram? Uh, Nathan Flute Boxley. All right, guys. Boxley. Yeah. My middle Awesome. Name. All right. Well, Nate, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. Um, I love you a lot. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. It's been a long time coming. We can talk some shit after this, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But um, just for the people listening, uh, I just want to say it's been awesome. This is the first ever Sanj Sarati Talks podcast. It's an honour to have you on it. Um, and I and I'm just thinking after this one, I'm going to try and do like another one where there's like three of us and I'd love to get you on that as well. I'm, just looking, got for to say. I'm looking for my dinner invite. Yeah. Invite, yeah. Maybe do like Sam's Talks dinner. <laughs> Thanks so much. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.